You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle, and this is a continuation in one of my favorite series here on the show. It is uh, The Swamp Explained with Rob Cortell. And Rob is a 45-year fly on the wall in Washington, D.C. Rob's worked for the Republican presidential campaigns of Ford and Bush uh, one government agencies like the EPA and has been confirmed by the Senate to the U.S. Federal Maritime Commission. He's also been a candidate for Congress and Senate. He spent years working in private technology in that sector in Washington, D.C. with startup companies. And so he has a lot of experience and a lot of iconoclastic viewpoints, some of them towards you libertarians, some of uh, them towards Republicans and Democrats. So he always gives us a great insight into the swamp that makes up our nation's capital. Always like to understand how things work before you can deconstruct them, right? So, Rob, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. How are you today? Yeah, how are you? Long time. I know. I think it's been about a month. We tend to check in monthly, it feels like. Yeah. Um, I, I think we kind of talked about the January 6th stuff, but... Um, we did. You know, we, a lot of swampiness has taken place since then, uh, now that traditional Washington is back in charge, as, as I might call it. Um, but first, I want to talk about COVID because COVID seems to be <laughs> turning the corner. Uh, it's, you know, the vaccines yeah. you know, here in Indiana. When you look at the numbers in Indiana, you've got 25 percent of the state is vaccinated. Another 20 percent has confirmed positive tests. And then there's people like right. me who, you know, telehealth said, we, we don't know what you have, but we think you have it since you don't want to spend nine hundred dollars on a test in April. Um, <laughs> so. You know, we may have 50 to... And by the 60. end of May, you're going to have your shot anyway. So. Right. So there's a ton of uh, positive news on that front. And uh, yeah. Florida is as crowded as ever. Uh, um, they declared a state of emergency down in Miami I, did you night. Did you see that? They were rolling... They okay. Unbelievable. Here's the thing. By the way, it, I got my shots. Yes. Yeah, so which I'm going to ask you here in just a second. <laughs> You know, I'm watching on Twitter last night as SWAT teams start rolling into Miami because there's thousands of people on the street. And we're in Indianapolis right now where the NCAA is holding the tournaments where they're flying tens of thousands of people into Indiana and Indianapolis to hold this tournament. Functionally, what's the difference between people going to Miami for spring break and the March Madness stuff minus the 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 government saying it's okay in Miami versus it being sanctioned here in Indiana. So are, are people required to wear masks in the stadium and are they not yes. social distancing? There's social distancing, but there's, you know, there is. Yeah. Well, you know, spacing. down in Miami and all these young people, the social distance is a quarter of an inch. <laughs> that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frequently less. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I do think, uh, I think both are experiments, you know, they, um, you know, they did a couple concerts in Germany. Uh, about uh, six or eight weeks ago and um, did some social distancing and masking and new um, air conditioning and air handling kinds of technology. And they had no spread in that. I, I didn't and, see one in the Super yeah. Bowl in Tampa either. Yeah. 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 The same idea. Yeah. Um, but it is so fascinating, you know, so, you know, uh, uh, I'm 70 um, my state of Virginia um, was a cluster 
I won't repeat the rest of that <laughs> for, for most of the first several months. We have a doctor as a governor, a Democrat, and uh, he basically held back half of the supply so you could have the double shot, while at the same time, the federal government was holding back half of the supply so he could get the second shot. So the governor basically doubled down to make a, a, a crisis of its own here in Virginia, <laughs> and eventually they got a new guy and they figured that out. Um, but I signed up here for in uh, January, early January, as did my wife. Um, she got a call about six weeks later that that she might be able to run right over and get it, but it didn't happen because she didn't pick up the phone. You know, none of us anymore pick up phones when it do- doesn't right. say who's calling you. Exactly. Um, and um, they gave no callback number. And in the meantime, the District of Columbia was actually rolling it out to people residents over 65 and we have still have a residence there too. So, you know, I went online and I'm a fast typist and um, their site was sort of kludgy. I actually couldn't get a place the first time I, after I got all my data in and then I finally found a, a place that had um, uh, appointments available. And as I clicked each appointment in a row, they all disappeared um, and they only released 1200 and the district um, the district released um, a number on Thursdays for specified zip codes intended to be for people, uh, high risk people and populations, you know, uh, black and Latino and all that. And I can't say that I had ever in all those 45 years lived in any of those zip codes in DC. <laughs> so I wasn't eligible for that. But my, you know, on Fridays, if you're over 65, you could get it. Well, so the first time I missed it totally. Second time I went on with my wife, I had figured out how to game this damn thing. So I'm typing fast. I go to the middle of the locations, not the first, second, third. (laughs) Boomers are turning into hackers to get their vaccines. I go to the middle of the, of the appointments without looking and just clicked it. And then I saw my wife, who's a two finger typist and, uh, and shaking. She was just so nervous. And (laughs) so I started to get hers and I almost got hers. She never did. And then the following week, you know, they released a few more each time and I got my wife and I got a neighbor and I couldn't get her husband. And then the next, next week, and the next week, it turns out in the, in the interim, the neighbor had not gotten her, um, had not gotten her notice of the appointment. Uh, I had already been to DC. I got my shot. My wife went the following week, got her shot. Uh, in my case, they uh, gave me the second appointment right there. I didn't have to ever do another thing. My wife's case, they told her to call three. To, she could go to one of three websites. She did. Not one worked. Um, but the district had a really good mop-up operation. And literally two or three days later, they called her to hmm. see if she had gotten uh, into the website. And she said she had not. And they told her how to do it. She got her second one done. Um, in the meantime, this fourth time I go in, and I, I get my neighbor's husband and, um, and then I go try to do her again. I thought, well, maybe I'd screwed it up. I didn't punch this button or that. And, and, uh, I finish it and it says your appointment is like tomorrow. <laughs> and so, so I had not screwed up. They not notified her. And so she drove to DC, got it. So now my whole pod is my whole pod is shot second shots, except for young, one young woman, uh, a wife of one of the 70 year olds is like 50, 51 or two. And one of the other neighbors saw her the other day and said to her, 
um, this is probably the first time in your life you wish you were 65. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this, so. is, this is a great illustration because, you know, so much of COVID, because this is one of the few times in our lives moving forward that I think we'll see the same thing happen all over. And it's the first time in my life where I've truly seen the, the differences in state and local governments comparatively you know in the in the beginning you look at and this has not been a good year for the 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 government's track record you know when you look at the the failure of testing but when you look at the vaccine rollout you know here in indiana we'll be in the 30s here in the next week or two yeah well and virginia is pretty close so we we went from the 48th worst to you know the top 15 or so yeah like i will i will tell you chris this is like um one of my other friends about your age said she had visions of uh, like a New Yorker cartoon with old people dancing in the park and smoking dope, you know, <laughs> gotten gambling, they've gotten their shot. And I will tell you, it is like that. I believe it. People. I believe <laughs> it. You know, I, I had it early on. And so I haven't felt the same level of concern for it that, you know, and I don't have the underlying conditions, but I'm sure, you know, I know for my mom who's in her 60s and the ICU working and, you know, high blood yeah. pressure, she was very concerned. Um, and I am and I know you've been very, very careful with it out of necessity, yeah. same, same with my dad. Yeah. So it's just a yeah. different sense of urgency for, for going back to, to normal life, you know, yeah. between the two well, of us. And, 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 and as predicted, you know, wearing your mask and all that, you know, I think you and I talked months and months ago about the mask thing that um, – whatever it did on COVID one effect was going to be reduce the impact of flu and yeah. and the other contagious diseases. And we're now seeing that in the uh, CDC numbers. I haven't had, on that, so. I haven't had, so. I haven't been sick all, all year long, you know, no, last I year. I haven't either. Yeah. The year before, I mean, we were, you know, the, the kid was going to daycare and coming back with all sort of creepy crawlies and, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> that hasn't happened this year. Um, yeah, you know, and if so. you look at my friend Brian Nichols, who hosts a program here on the network, he's in Philly, and then I'm here in Indianapolis, and our numbers aren't that much different, but, you know, we've been back to normal basically since June of last year. Brian still yeah. can't go to the gym, still can't get a haircut. You know, the, these small businesses. And, where, and where's Brian? Where's Brian? Philadelphia. Philly. So there was another uh, study in the New York Times um, that showed that Florida, New York uh, were – despite radically different approaches, were not radically different on right. the key data data points. So uh, now, of course, Florida's in the Sun Belt, uh, more outdoor time, uh, longer warm season and all that kind of stuff. So, But uh, I, I think a lot of people will learn an awful lot about this, and it will all inure to our benefit in the long run. I, I don't know how people in blue states, politicians included, how they don't look at red states like Florida or Indiana – and not come to the conclusion that they need to lift restrictions. I don't. What What are these blue states waiting for? Yeah, yeah. No, I I think I, I think there is a lot of that. But a lot of the blue states, remember, are also much more dense than places like Florida and, and the southern states and Virginia, even. So yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And I I uh, think I do think uh, you know I said in the last one that I think the Democrats would be smart to give uh, Trump credit for getting that vaccine, you know, Graham Allison, who um, wrote the great seminal work uh, at Harvard on, um, on uh, the Cuban missile crisis Mm. um, uh, that everybody who ever did public policy and most people who ever study any kind of government read his book. And uh, he wrote a terrific piece also, I think in the times or post, I can't remember 
um, or maybe it was Wall Street Journal saying that um, uh, uh, if Fauci had not been there, would you have gotten the vaccine as fast? Well, probably. If so-and-so had not been there, would you have gotten it as fast? But if Trump had not been there, would you? And the answer is no, hmm. would not, because he made that his thing. And um, uh, so it's all interesting. Of course, I have this Darwinian thing here going, you know, you have seen, as have I, the numbers on Republicans and Trumpers, Trump, Trumpers um, who don't want to get the shot. And so I really deep down, I hate to admit, harbor some hope that Darwinism works. And, <laughs> you know, that's the funny thing about this, Rob, is everybody goes, you know what, we need a good plague. And then we kind of got a plague yeah, and, it, right. and it just didn't, it just made things worse. It didn't actually help. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, I think the, uh, the, you're right about Trump. And that's, Trump gets enormous credit for driving that, pushing that. And that was, should. you know. He should get credit. He should. Uh, but the the thing about Trump is that he, he did a lot of good things, but he blew it because then he'd do even worse, m- more crummy things. You know, it's like if he, if he had just celebrated the vaccine and how it was about to be rolled out and how it was going to change everything and had run on that, he would yeah. have won. The You know, hey, the economy's going to come back after we get this vaccine out. Your life is going to go back to normal. We're almost done well, with this. Hang on. Well, and this is to the swamp issue. You know, we will probably be talking later. Had he gotten his administration to agree and the Republican Party to agree to the last check, yeah, um, uh, he might have won too. Yeah. A bigger check. But instead, he did the stolen election stuff, and it's just like, yeah. this is why we hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. You know, it's, yeah. it's silly. Well, so I, he's not exactly fading away, but he's not exactly, thank goodness, he's not on the, I don't wake up every morning wondering what the hell he said last night. Well, he's kind of lazy. I mean, yeah. you know. And I don't say that about Biden either. I, you know, I, it's so nice to have a president you don't have to listen to every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you had a party, so you had a, a, a celebration this past. We were, we were supposed to record last week, but we had a, we had, yeah. you were chopping cabbage. So how was your party? How, oh, what, that's right. What was it was it like a, to it get was back a, to we it? We were doing a, it was, a, it was a St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So I, I had to, I had a fantastic, probably the best corned beef I've ever had. I hate to admit uh, and, uh, you know, th- this dish with cabbage and, uh, and, uh, mashed potatoes called cold cannon. So it's a, a traditional Irish dish. And I have a twist. I use, you know, kind of an Asian cabbage and this and that, and then, uh, um, um, rainbow carrots and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, my, my best thing was probably, um, soda bread. Hmm. And, you know, there are a million recipes for Irish soda bread. Some have brown flour, some don't. Um, you know, whole wheat, others don't, and this and that. Some have raisins. I, I'm told the traditional, I read half of the stories, say half the, the traditional is no raisins. Well, way back last fall, I packaged up a bunch of of dried fruits, raisins and cr- cranberries and orange, dried orange and mango and all these things. And I filled it with um, spices and brandy. And it's been sitting in the refrigerator just waiting to be used. And so I threw that in the soda bread, and that was really good. So, you know, it was I think it was 10 or 12 of us here. How was it, it to was, get to have a party? I mean, did you feel like you're doing something wrong? <laughs> uh, no, actually, my pod, uh, you know, everybody had been vaccinated by then. And, right. You know, we have a pod. Everybody's doing this. You have a pod. Sure. Um, my pod is, uh, is uh, four families 
or four people my age, roughly here or nearby. And we have throughout this whole period, we've had um, several people come visit us and young people and everybody takes a, took a COVID test before they came, except my brother, of course. Uh, and, um, and so I think we felt pretty good about ma- managing risk. But then remember, my business in the real life is a company that, uh, that deals with risk uh, in, in Homeland Security and, and food security risk and all those kinds of things. So uh, it, I think probably in a lot of ways I'm e- able to better balance actual risk. And, uh, and I will say a good example of that today, I just got back from Richmond and we visited with a, a younger friend of ours who's probably 42 or three and on serves on a board with my wife, uh, the Virginia Institute of Marine Sciences. And he and his wife have not gone out anywhere in the last year. They've hmm. not been to a restaurant in or out. Um, uh, my daughter is sort of like that. They would go to restaurants outside. They live in Dallas where they can do that 10 months of the year, except for the, the week where it was minus three degrees or something, you know, <laughs> yeah, two yeah. weeks ago, three weeks ago. But um, so it's interesting, other people's assessment of risk. Um, it, it really does differ, and it, I think it differs on your experience and your circumstances. And, you know, living on an island, uh, it does make you feel a little more secure. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been my point about this the entire time, is that, voluntarily shelter a place at the beginning because you don't know the risk. But by May, June, we knew what the risks were. We kind of had good data. And then people uh, make their decisions accordingly from there. You know, and, and like once you saw some of these bigger events and these protests didn't have massive spread, you felt a little more secure and a little, you know, a little less worried. And, and at Christmas well, and then time, it went up and down. And yeah. then it went up and down over the course of the year. You know, we talked about the fact that I broke out. We broke out in October. When, when it had sort of dipped yeah. and we were very careful driving across country to Dallas. We, we took a slow week and had a great time, but we were very careful. We didn't, we wore masks. We washed our hands and everywhere we ate outside. It was warm enough. Um, I, I think once or twice we were in side and that I, I admit it made us a little nervous one place we just left. And uh, so, but you've got to calculate all this. Although, you know, Chris, you and I both have friends who did all of this stuff and yet they got it. (laughs) So the CEO of a company on the board of which I sit, you know, they have about 45 people, it's a technology company. They've been remote from the beginning. He was hunkering down in Idaho and he got it. And he's a big guy. He's healthy, but he's just, he's big. And, uh, and he had a terrible, terrible Mm. case for three weeks. And he still has the residual effects of it. Mm. Of course, we don't know you know, who or why or how that is either. But um, I also don't know a single one of my reckless friends that got it. <laughs> ah, well, let's see. I, I don't I don't know if any of my friends would admit to being reckless, including my 25-year-old friends. No, I know one. And no, but I think that when you look back at the lockdowns, and this was my message from the beginning, like the, lo- the, the government intervention in small businesses, picking winners and losers, choosing what businesses can be open or not, none of that worked. None of it was going to work. It was only going to make the entire process much more painful for people keeping schools closed has made it more painful for the lower economic classes and you know now there's really like this this entire process has always been about an individual's choice of of here's how what i need to do here's how i need to protect myself you know i i 
you know, well, I'm going to push I, I back guess... on you on, on a little of that because okay. you know, there's a lot of very clear uh, analysis on restaurants, for example, and interior spaces and and uh, analysis the fl- airflow and how people get zapped by that flow. One person is caught in the beginning and then everybody else is spread. So there's a, a lot, a lot of data on stuff like that. On the other hand, there's a lot, a lot of data on schools where you know, the, it's the science of, of infection versus the science of education. And this is one side of society where it's just been utterly irresponsible. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the education establishment, in my opinion, has shown itself to be um, uh, utterly self-fixated and not on the students or education, uh, but the unions on you know, their retention of power. And so we know that that data, the science says little kids need to be, uh, need socialization. They need to be right there with a teacher. And um, whereas older kids don't necessarily have to. Um, And we know that social distancing and all that stuff does reduce the spread. And these are things people could implement in schools and they just didn't want to do it. And now you've got some teachers still saying, I'm not going back till everybody's vaccinated. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, it's, just, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. It, it, yeah, I no. never want to hear I mean, I host this program or hosted, I, I'm stepping down from it uh, on nonprofits here in town, the public affairs show and called now hear this. And you go back and listen to our episodes about, you know, the, the f- hunger and the, the, uh, the need for food, the, the well, basically schools are the, the welfare touch for, mm-hmm. for kids. And there's so many more instances of dead children because they're not getting help at school from counselors totally. or, yeah. you know, domestic violence is up because women have had to drop out of the workforce to take care of kids. You know, my, my girlfriend is a teacher at a school that has been open since last fall. They've had um, half a week that they shut down. Uh, just to to kind of be safe right before a break, but they haven't had any major instances. And Rand Paul was right when he said, "Let's look at the the private schools like that to see what our future looks like." And and yeah. it just completely undercuts the teachers' unions. I never want to hear these teachers' unions talk about the the disadvantaged again because they have they have been and, and like if we're gonna pick what class of person gets. You know, the, the teachers get to jump the line. Well, why not the restaurant workers? Why not the yeah. people at the grocery store? Yeah. The people that in May or April, when nobody knew what this was, were terrified to go to work and have continued to go to work. Why don't they get right. the vaccine before teachers? So I, I get, you know, it's, a, it's a, an instance of, you know, classes getting to jump the line and the government pitting people against each other because of the process. And I just don't think the teachers unions uh, look great at no, all. They've not acquitted themselves well at all. No, no. I agree with and that. they they keep digging the hole, and you just go, all right. Well, yeah. school choice is about to blossom across the nation because we yeah. now see where they're really at, which is making sure the teachers unions get paid. By and large, uh, the, however, to your point about individual choice and everything, by and large, the private schools that have stayed open, and certainly the ones I know of in Washington and Virginia and all that or partly open, have been very, very rigid about enforcing masking. Absolutely. Distance, 
cleaning, uh, all of these things. So, so we do know these things work. Um, and, and I was going to say, you know, your friends, you say the ones who are the most careless didn't get it. I, I am stunned at how many of my friends your age and, and younger have gotten it, who I know, who yeah. all claim they were being very careful, except, <laughs> well, one guy decided to go play video games in another guy's basement, who he says is being careful, and then somebody else pops in, and somebody else pops in. And, you right. know, and, and so, and some of these people have had it really badly, and, mm-hmm. and, and it is random, as, to, as it, to, it, it, it seems, seems random. We know it's probably not random. Um, as to why you get one factor in Listen, I'm I'm not, and, and here's the caveats. I'm not anti-teacher. Teachers need to be protected. Yeah. But 65-year-old teachers can get the shot. 55-year-old teachers, 45-year-old teachers, the most at-risk people are already able to get the shot to go back. Yeah. And you want them to be safe. And why why break this age system that seems to be working well here in Indiana, at least? And then, you know, COVID is very serious and real, but the the realities yeah. is that you can really only make decisions for yourself. Restaurants that have been open in, the, in Indiana ask you to wear masks. They ask yeah. you to be careful. They have those protocols in place. Same with the schools that have been open. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you have a government like a California or New York that keeps these people from innovating because they're just not allowed to work – they just get poorer and poorer and poorer. So when they can open, they don't have the same protocols that you have here in Indiana. So I think, you know, and I saw somebody, when is the yeah. government going to let us reopen? It's, it was never the government's decision to shut us down. It happened voluntarily. People were scared they were going to stay home. And they're not going to stay home because the government tells them to. They're going to Miami. Like, they don't. And that's right the now. thing. Government follows where yeah. the culture is at. And the culture right now is ready to get back. To going out well and being it's going to be interesting to see the cell phone records come out of miami <laughs> yeah you know because um you remember you had that way back in the spring last year and it was very evident that the the kids who'd been in miami were a major source of spread uh, around the country you, you could see the the, yeah. the time lags between the cell phone and when they la- where they ended up and then the time lag on the the disease. Uh, so anyway, but I'd say we're, we're going to learn. I hope we learn a lot from all this. Um, uh, you know, there is seems to be a consensus that it's going to be with us forever, like flu, and uh, we'll just have to add it to the flu vaccine every year, uh, whatever the latest variant is. And so, and I assume you're going to get your shot at some point. Maybe I I need to talk to my doctor about it because it seems that the people who have antibodies already seem to have the worst side effects. So I want to see. Uh, well, that's because you. It's like you've had your first inoculation. Yeah. And my brother, uh, who had, we think had it, um, he had a some significant side effects from this, his first shot. I mean, not debilitating about like you know heavy duty uh, uh, flu vaccine, but. Uh, yeah, my mom is the only person that she worked in the ICU all year. And when she got her vaccine, she was really sick for like a full week. You know, mm-hmm. my friend who's an EMT got really sick. Yeah. Everybody else, my grandparents, you know, my coworkers, none of them had any issues whatsoever. Yeah. It's It's been great. Yeah, um, and for mainly, me, it was like a, a, a flu shot, only yeah. not so bad. Yeah, so. I, I will say I just I'm a Mac person. I don't want to be uh, to get the shot and feel the urge to start buying Microsoft products. Um, <laughs> I just don't 
want to be so so, so you're sure it's it's a, a plot yes <laughs> by big tech <laughs> if if steve jobs had created the vaccine maybe i'd want to get it but um uh, it's a miracle so technology in this country and we should take advantage of it we'll we'll talk about some of the yeah i'm not i'm not an anti-vaxxer i just want to talk to my yeah. doctor to see if you know because um, this is where the right and the left meet you know at the yeah. end remember we talked about the fact that you know bobby kennedy's son is on the anti-vax on the, on the left and, and they're now meeting at the middle with the right. So, Oh, I know. Yeah. Like it's, I'll have to do the, the anti-vax show at some point, but um, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about some of these articles that you've pulled up before we talk about yeah, yeah. our own big tech censorship here. At, uh, you asked me about it. I want to explain it to you on air. Yeah. Um, which, which of these do you want to start with? The Trump is orth- well, authoritarian? I, I, think there, to- I think there have been a number of interesting articles in the last couple of weeks that just sort of distill, um, I think, this period and some of the stuff that you and I have talked about over the last year. Um, one is the uh, called the Trump as authoritarian debate reconsidered, and, and you should post these. I, I will put these in the show notes for um, folks. Another one is how to fix four years of Trump's war against government. Biden administration must act quickly to repair the damage. Another one is by uh, the Begin Sadat Center for Strategic Studies. And the swamp returns to Washington, referring to to um, uh, the Biden administration, bringing all the a lot of the people who were in Obama back. Um, another one by Ross Duhat, uh, you know, who's a, a Times uh, opinion guy on the right. Did the resistance defeat Donald Trump? Some reasons to doubt a theory, um, and and then we're still seeing things like Elaine Chow is being uh, there's a criminal referral uh, over there at DOT Department of Transportation on her. So I, I think all of these are talking to the like. Look, you and I know that everybody wants to analyze everything to death and show that they were right, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so even us. Yes, that's, <laughs> and, that's what um, this show is about: talking about how we were right about stuff. That's right. But um, but we are talking about the swamp and the, the sense of what the swamp is. And, um, you know, as as I've defined it, I think it's um, it, the swamp can harbor good animals and bad animals and and uh, good fish and bad fish and crocodiles and other things, uh, snakes. And, you know, it's a metaphor, of course, for D.C. and um, and for the and for the mess. Uh, and how difficult it is to change things. And I think um, the, some of the topics you and I have talked about are that, um, f- first of all, uh, it's sort of embedded, you know, but is that a good thing or a bad thing? There's the layer of civil servants who just do their job, jobs no matter what, uh, but they will, they will move with policy. So if you have a, a leadership, the, the head of the Department of Transportation, um, they, they will implement whatever an administration wants. They'll try to get that because that's their job. Um, and then there are the lobbyists who are there 50 years uh, for a career. And, uh, and then there are the congressional staffs, some of whom are professional, um, like their civil servants. And the same thing as State Department. They have their own equivalent of civil servants and people who are paid just to do this job, do, use their expertise, um, uh, Tony uh, Fauci is is an expert who's been there for 45 years. He has had a storied career. He probably is the single most critical piece of solving uh, AIDS. And uh, and Deborah Bick, you know De- uh, Deborah Bricks, whatever her name was, you know at Burks. the White House, she was all yeah, Bur- yeah, she was also part of that. And um, so these are 
these are people who represent, I think, what a lot of people tend to uh, think of negatively as the swamp. But, you know, thank goodness, you know, 90% of them are doing the right job. They hand out the, they get out the social security checks. They get out the, medi- you know, your Medicare checks. They get out or take care of Medicare. They, they get out the veterans checks. Now, they also screw up those things periodically, but, you know, humans are humans. So yeah, to, to um, give you, to give you like a, a historical example of this, of something that I was just reading, I was reading about King Henry the third of England, who was King from um, 1216 to 1272. So like almost mm-hmm. 60 years. Mm-hmm. And he was basically called the simple King. He was basically just kind of, he was weak and dumb and just not, not, not all there totally. And you have this guy named Simone de Manfort, Manafort, Come right. in, basically, the barons basically wanted to overthrow him. And you have this clash between future King Edward, Henry's son, Henry Manafort, mm-hmm. the barons. You have all this, like, fighting up at the top on the on the surface layer. But through Henry's reign, and specifically in this second barons where you have all of the, the writs of government and all of the functions and all of the earls and all of the... You know the courts and everything ran really well. That's and, right. And and this book that I was reading um, called Foundation uh, by Peter Ackroyd, and he makes the point that you know throughout history you see periods where there's all this fighting at the top layer that everybody pays attention to the great kings and the and the fighting between the barons and all this stuff. But like down at the bottom, there's always the layer of bureaucracy that is always functioning. And it's yeah. and it's somewhat insulated from the fighting at the top, and it reminded me of of you know Trump in that there's all this churn, and and Trump supporters would make this argument a lot, like okay, there's all this churn, and and Twitter's better now, and, but you know the government was functioning just fine, and it, and and you know I I really agree with them in that Trump changed politics yeah. in a big way, but that didn't necessarily change government in a big way. Well, and that's kind of the point of this article, and and some of the conversations you and I have had. He one of these article points out that he had um, acting um, cabinet secretaries thirty times more, <laughs> thirty times greater volume than Obama. And you know, acting secretaries can only do so much. They they right. don't they can't create the kind of policy change. And as so many of these articles talk about, Trump had no policy or agenda. He he you know other than the wall, and uh, and uh, to break uh, things. You know he had a strong view about foreign policy that somehow we were being taken advantage of. And um, and but he had. No, um, he didn't have apparently the intellectual capacity to grow as he learns stuff and he wouldn't put the people in place to actually make the change. So, right. you know, there's this, this, this whole left, left side and Daniel Dresner is from Tufts is, um, writes this one article in which he, you know, there's a set of people who believe that Trump was authoritarian. And we heard that every day, every morning I'd get up and hear CNN and hear these guys, you know, he, he was about to be a dictator and crush democracy. And then yet here four years later, there are people saying he was an incredibly weak president. Um, he could not make the party, his own Republican party, do stuff he did, they didn't want to do. I think um, I think what the because I, I agree that he has authoritarian tendencies, but well, he's he not did, like yeah. he's not like 
a Mussolini not, who understood. Putin. He's not like Putin. Putin who and understood. Who, who know how to do it. Right. They they didn't. He yeah. doesn't. He never understood yeah. the mechanics of government. Wasn't interested in learning it, and therefore yeah. he wasn't. It, it, you know he. He didn't yeah. influence it in the way that a Mussolini did. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that he didn't attempt a coup. It's just that he's not good at this. So it's like if you all want to overthrow the government, he's not your guy. Yeah. Well, and and um, we all know anybody knows that in order to effect change, you really have it requires someone to lead. Yeah. And leaders need followers, and they need to be in a position to execute policy in the government. And he just left hundreds and hundreds of critical policy positions unfilled, no nominations. You know, there, there are people on the, the right who, and, and Trump supporters perhaps, who will say, oh, it's wonderful, all these judges he, he appointed. Well, uh, you know, that was, that was McConnell's thing. That was not Trump. Uh, he, he embraced it, and he did what McConnell told him, but this was not Trump driving the, the, the conversation. And then, of course, now we have Biden in and articles about how to fix Trump's you know, the damage. And the rea- reality is 90% of everything is the same as it was before he came in. Um, but what they did try to do at the end is and produce um, new regulations and this and that, you know, midnight regulations, what we call them. Like uh, there's a list of, you know, like uh, uh, the one rule was published on expanding the methods of execution in federal death cases to include rec- electrocution and death by firing squad. And they, <laughs> they broaden the definition of independent contractors, Department of Labor, so, uh, labor, so that gig economy workers didn't ha- you know, weren't protected with benefits and safety protection and all that. They, they, um, they have other regs to prevent immigration judges from using discretion to close cases. Um, uh, others about... Uh, religious discrimination and exemptions and liability and, and on and on and on. And one of them, you know, one of them dear to the heart of, uh, you know, the, uh, the right, the uh, right to life people is there was a ban on scientific research um, on certain kinds of methods that used uh, tissue um, from uh, fetuses. And, and these are all going to be overturned because they, they were last minute thoughts um, that the, the law is that if they didn't, um, uh, if they happened after a uh, date certain somewhere in August, it just took a simple majority vote of the Congress to get rid of them. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So the, the permanency is not in what he, he made. I think the permanency right now is going to be in what he broke. Yeah. And, and that would, and most of that is in foreign policy. So, um, the one thing he made in foreign policy was sending uh, Jared Kushner over to the Middle East. He has struck a series of deals which are very business driven, um, and 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 that will allow the Biden administration to build on that. Um, the the China thing, I think, would have been broken no matter what. Uh, Biden seems so. It's so broken that whatever you do is an improvement. He he you permanently know? changed the. Right. And and this is the best thing that Donald Trump did is he changed the 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 right from a Wilsonian foreign policy of Bush towards a more, you know, Robert Taft, Ron Paul sort of. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as Ron Paul. I don't think that Trump was ever nearly as non-interventionist as as Ron Paul. 
but he certainly started to push them towards a Rand Paul and away from a Lindsey Graham. Well, um, that was his whole thing about getting getting rid of all the wars, and he yeah. really made a big steps on that. But the, this is where the, the question is, and all of this is the the age old debate: the Wilsonian view versus um, you know the others is that um, we would like to live in a world where we can do what we want to do more or less. Yeah. And, and American citizens are respected in other countries and we go over and we have protections. And, and the reality is that um, that requires that you find a way to use power uh, judiciously. And that when people say, when you say you're going to do something, you know, this is a parent. You, if you threaten your kid with something you're, you're not going to do it's they, they figure that out. So I, you know, I never threatened my kids with anything that I wasn't going to do. Right. And, it was, and, and it, nothing was so drastic that, or draconian that you really had to wrestle with yourself to do it, you know, reasonable kind of punishments or rewards or whatever. But, um, and it's the same way with countries. If, if people don't believe our word, then they won't believe us in treaties and they won't hold up their side of it. And um, that is where Trump failed to understand. So, yes, we would like to get out of Afghanistan. We have been there far too long. We've had far too many strategies fail. But we have also created um, a belief among educated Afghans and others that, that um, they should be able to form a democratic government. And, um, and they will be wiped off the face of the earth if the Taliban um, gets to just walk right in. So this is a case of, and, and it's true all around the Middle East and around the planet. I mean, people, you know, people don't believe us half the time. Obama, remember, drew the red line in the sand right. uh, over uh, Syria. I, I'd argue that Trump kept his word on um, breaking stuff, breaking stuff <laughs> with allies, you know, like yeah. the yeah. World Health Organization, other stuff like that. I mean, he he yeah. followed through on stuff with the allies, but when it came to like, Holding, I mean, Russia and China, you look at their position before yeah. Trump and after pr- Trump, they're in a much better position globally than, yeah. than they were before Trump. Um, well, China yeah. said just, just said, screw us. And they went off and formed their own equivalent of, um, of the, the major banking institutions. They have got their, their belt, uh, their, their, their belt uh, and road, belt and road program all around the planet. They are lending money like crazy to these countries. They're, um, they're sending their vaccine, uh, uh, Sinovax everywhere, um, because we we won't yet, uh, and um, so they're doing everything they can possibly do to supplant the United States, and that's not going to be a better world, in my opinion, at all, uh, at but, all. But I, I, my, I'm not terribly worried about China because I don't know how they're they how they can sustain in a like it's not 1960 anymore, right? Like in yeah. in the information age, it's harder to get away with what Mao got away with, you know. And, and you look at the Uyghurs and the amount of people that are ready to abandon them and and revisit the idea of the Trans Asian Partnership that that Obama put together as a way to isolate the economics, the economy of China, um, yeah. the TPP. Um, you know, I I don't I think you'll see conservatives not go if Biden wanted to put that back together 
uh, I don't think you'd see as many conservatives oppose it as they did under Obama because they want to isolate China now. They now recognize that. I think when you look at what's happening with the Uyghurs, it's just yeah. undeniable that this is a totalitarian government and that we ought not be working with them in any way, shape, or form. And people ought to be looking at Vietnam and Taiwan and other places um, f- for their goods or bringing it back here. So, you know, I would and say that, with and Trump's, that's happening. That's happening. Absolutely. And I would say with Trump, you know, Trump's foreign policy in a lot of ways is a continuation of Obama's foreign policy. Uh, it, you know, you'll you'll hear libertarian thinkers kind of say, oh, this guy is, you know, uh, libertarian on foreign policy. And that's not true in that he just continued a lot of what Obama de-escalated because Obama was a radical change in a lot of ways from Bush. Oh, yes. And, right. and Trump didn't reverse that to go back to Bush. He continued the de-escalations, yet he dropped more drone bombs. He, you know, he, mm-hmm. he continued troop withdrawals. You know, he continued a lot of what Obama, and I think that's exactly where the American people are at. So when, when people talk about, you know, Biden being a warmonger, yeah, but the, it, it isn't 2010. Four anymore, like that. That ship has yeah. sailed. I mean, there, there's no appetite in the American people well, for war with Russia I think that's or China right. or anywhere I, else. I think, I think you're generally right, uh, and particularly about appetite for involvement. Um, and this is where I, I think you know, I what what I was saying earlier is it's very hard to find anything that Trump did in a, in a positive way that will have lasting impact. But the, the negative actions of um, breaking. Uh, these various uh, expected behaviors yeah. uh, is going to be helpful to Biden and to completely reset all of this stuff if he's smart. And, I, you know, I think he's actually handled most of this. There was an article about the disappearing Joe Biden somewhere I saw. And, and you know, I am delighted not to have to see him or Trump every day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Know, so although, of course, although Biden is now mired in in the same thing that Trump was mired in uh, during his administration, which is the the uh, the border. Yeah. And what are what are the expectations and how are you going to handle these people? And, can, can I be honest? I mean, people running around calling this a crisis is sort of insane when I have multiple help wanted signs. And we're, we're always told how horrible the economy is, but I, I, I don't know anybody that runs a business. Like my dad runs a business doing um, marble floor restoration and construction cleanup. He hasn't been able to hire anybody in five to 10 years. Yeah. You know, you, restaurants, uh, you know, fast food places, stores, like it's really hard to find right. entry level jobs because most people, you know, as even though unemployment's high, nobody wants to go work. So why is it a crisis when we have jobs that need filled and people who need the economic opportunity of being here? Why is this a crisis? Why are we calling this a crisis? I don't understand well, it. Well, Chris, don't you think that some of this is is a global phenomenon, which is mm-hmm. that um, uh, people who have been in their, their countries for enough time to think that they are whatever their country is um, – are feeling everywhere around the planet that they're somehow being invaded by people who are not like them. I think <laughs> one of our broadcasts, we talked about a friend of ours uh, who who moved to Italy, uh, married an Italian, has been in Italy for the last 40 years. And, and 10 years ago, I remember a conversation in which she said, you know, the Turks have moved here and the so-and-sos, and they've been here two generations. And somehow it just doesn't feel right that they're making 
pizza and pasta. Yummy. Are they Italians <laughs> or are they Turks? And, and, and the rest of the world has a very different attitude about this. Americans don't think like that or have not historically thought like that. I mean, until you know, we started importing right wing ideologies of the great replacement theory into yeah, the, right. the, into the Republican Party. I mean, somebody, I agree. That's, somebody noted in Rush Limbaugh's two <laughs> Rush Limbaugh's two books. He didn't even mention immigration in the early 90s because it wasn't an issue until Tom Tancredo runs in 2008 and, you know, really popularizes this and Trump seizes on it. And now it's a crisis when. Yeah. My family, your family, all of our families came here for Everybody an opportunity here. and started at, at you know, I'm, I'm in the greatest population of Chin outside of Burma. And, you know, I've just seen this entire area redevelop economically through yeah. Chinese, Vietnamese, Chin, Burmese stores. I mean, this is a this is now a thriving part of town based on people who are in their second generation of moving and here. And challenges your palate. Challenges your palate. That's exactly too. right. We go over yeah. to the to the Viet Huang uh, store, and it's like a like a Kroger sized store just full of octopus and things I've never seen, and it's really cool. And and well, have you had Laotian food? I have not. No, I didn't it's know that hotter existed. Th- hotter than crap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, so, yes, I mean, all right, so let's talk about social media censorship. So, yeah, because you said so you've note. been censored. I set you up on this. I, <sighs> I am shocked. I'm being Just oppressed. Shocked that that you have been banned from Facebook. Tell me, I, I don't get it. Well, I I'm mean, a, you, you're such a sweet guy. I've never heard you issue a curse word. Unlike me. You, I mean, you, you, I, I'm the bad boy of libertarianism. What can I say? Uh, I'm a danger to the republic. I'm a side I've never seen, Chris. I know. Uh, so, all right. I, I outlined it kind of in in length on the last episode, but the short version of it is that starting in 2018, I saw everything kind of heading this way. I'm like, okay, Facebook doesn't want politics on their platform because they don't want the divisiveness, and they don't want if politics is on their platform, then. Ron Wyden and Josh Hawley get a seat at the table and they don't want that. And because if they get regulated, that means all of their code has to go into the congressional record. So they're now really, uh, they ramped it up since the end of the election. Not, not technically, but I get your point. Yes. Right. You know, they, there's going to be a lot more transparency that they don't want, especially Facebook. Um, so, and this is not just a, a, a happening to me or, or my group or the libertarians. It's happening to, you know, my work Facebook group for the Bob and Tom show, which is a comedy radio show. It's happening to the Pat Down podcast group, which is full of Democrats, 10,000 people. Um, you know, the Bob and Tom one is full of, you know, non-political and right-leaning people, 20,000 people. The We Are Libertarians group was libertarians at 2,500 people. And I've and I've I've talked to admins that it's happening all over the place. And so what's happening on Facebook specifically, um, but Instagram too, and all their products, is memes seem to be the culprit, and they are now fact checking memes. They're fact checking funny pictures. Mm. They're fact checking articles from all news outlets. Mm. You you can't post like I I didn't know that this was some fake news website, like the the you know. Infowars type website. I posted a link um, showing, hey, here's this video of this thing, and it said, you don't have permission to post this website. 
you can't post Infowars or Gateway Pundit. You can't mm. post any of those more egregious websites because they've blocked the link to post those in comments or on your timeline. So you can't post fake news, right? Right. Except you do post fake news all the time if you run a Facebook group or your own group because if you posted something in January about election results, let's say you posted the dispatch, a fact-checking partner of Facebook, because this happened to me, saying this is not what happened with the Wisconsin dip in numbers after the election was stolen. I'll post that in, no- I'll post that in November saying here's this fact. In December or February, I get a fake news label on that because some facts have changed. If you post a Washington Post article, a few months later, you will get a false news notification and a community guidelines strike for fake news because some facts have changed as they do in the news business. Mm -hmm. We've updated this to show this or this or that, Right. right? right? If you post Fox News or any of that, you are definitely getting community guideline strikes if you post right-leaning news about you know anything pro-trump you're gonna get you're gonna get a community guideline strike and so after january 6th especially they ramped that up where it was 10 to 15 a week in the facebook group on my personal account on our big page and so i just said to all of our team Hey, we're just not going to post anything to the the 100,000 Facebook page that We Are Libertarians has. We're not going to post memes, we're not going to post statuses, we're just going to post links to the podcasts. And we didn't we haven't gotten in any trouble on that, right? So we self-censored to just post links to the website. And our and our an engagement has gone from a million a month to 70,000 a month. So I've gone from people seeing the brand name We Are Libertarians Podcast Network a a million times a month to 70,000 times a month with no engagement on any of those posts. I've got an asset I can't use. Same thing on Instagram. I can't use Instagram because I I don't want to lose the 20,000 asset. I've had to self-censor that too. So, you know, our group, our Facebook group is all about trying to bring different groups of people together to model having conversations and finding disagreements and agreements of, you know, you're a different type of libertarian than Rimzo or Brian or, or me or anybody else, right? But you deserve to have a voice. We want to hear what you have to say. We want to understand. Facebook doesn't want that, <laughs> you know, and, and so... um. I got banned for a meme uh, that was just very silly and goofy in the private Facebook group of of 2,500 people with my same sense of humor of Jeffrey Dahmer at Five Guys saying, this doesn't taste like Five Guys. And that was the... (laughs) That was the That was the one that took it down. But it had come at the end of, you know, and I have to just kind of go, all right, this doesn't fit Facebook's community guidelines. I had no idea. But I just figured if I post this to my community of people that are like-minded like me, it fits our community guidelines. Who are they to tell us that we can't, you know, so it's just sort of insane. So, so they're now against sick humor. Yes, but it, it isn't just that. It's <laughs> any, black humor. If, any humor, any political yeah. humor, any, like, yeah. you, you don't know so what are, you're going to you Are people complaining uh, across the board now about this? Is this? Of course, this is the problem of 
of having um, private companies in the business of censorship. Right. And they, and they are, we've talked about this before too. They really are now platforms. They're really, and if that's going to be the case, um, uh, they, I think they, they're pushing the envelope on being regulated by the government. They yeah. are. They are and, already. And I saw this ad. Facebook has said it's time to update the regulations. You know, that's of course, because approach. if they that's get regulated, they get their cement, their position mm-hmm. isn't cemented. I mean, what's happening is really analogous to when I started radio in 2004 as a board op. And I said, scumbag on, on the air. And the P, the PD said, that's a condom. You can't say that. I never heard that till you told me that. Literally nobody ever has. And I go, so can you tell me what the rules are? And he goes, no, I can't. And so, you know. He'll know it when he sees it. Exactly right. It's a little old church lady <laughs> writing in saying, I heard this thing and it was offensive and we need to find them. I mean, my my whole radio career from 2004 to this day working on a radio show is self-censorship and what can and can't we do and who can but it's much harder now because those little old church ladies in 2004 have now partnered with the gen z crowd that forgets the free speech crackdowns you know like boomer liberals remember the iraq war lead up they remember the censorship that took place in 2004 they don't the, the younger folks don't have the same frame of reference as that. And so they, they have engaged in the same illiberal behavior as a lot of the right does. And so, you know, when I hear the Trump and the right are the great defenders of free speech, I roll my eyes and go, not in 2004 and not in radio and not when Michael Powell yeah. and Bush were leading the FCC. Like, you're, full, you're the same sensorial crowd as everybody else. Like, you know, so it, it is a bummer, but I will say that as a person who's worked in media – I started in a job that no longer exists called board up. And I now work at doing things that didn't exist then. I mean, podcasting and video editing were not a thing in my industry 20 years ago. I will innovate. We will innovate out of this. It it sucks to lose my biggest marketing tool. Oh, and at the same time, the very same week, coincidentally, Rob, we can no longer post or stream to our our YouTube channel. Um, And why is that? Because of playing in January a news clip of a QAnon group and denouncing it in our audio, but they said that that was promoting them. And then we got another one for spam, which I don't understand at all. And I have no idea what the second strike was for, but we can't go live on Facebook, live on YouTube. Uh, When we go live on our Saturday morning show, I don't... I don't know what I need to fix to keep my YouTube channel. If I get one more, I lose the YouTube channel. But, but now, are these are there are there processes in place to appeal this? And and by the way, I have never used Facebook. I am not sure. on Facebook. I just, as a matter of personal privilege, I refuse to put myself out on those yeah. things. So, um, although I guess I was with you <laughs> without realizing it. But but is there a an appeals process? Not really. Uh, so like on Facebook, I've appealed to reinstate the Facebook group. Um, I can I can appeal my band. Sometimes they will tell you what it is and you can appeal it. Like the like the Jeffrey Dahmer meme, like, okay, you got me. Like, I deserve the seven-day ban. Now I know that I'm not supposed to post this. But like I had, like, 
it's it's fairly harmless, right? <laughs> like it's it's yeah. really kind of a dumb joke, and it's in a private group. You, you know, you can sit there and argue, yeah, it's their property, and they if they want to take it down, they can. But like it, it kind of stretches the bounds of uh, of common sense. Like, what's really the problem with that meme in in a private space? You know, you're being too hard headed about it, and that's mainly because they want to drive me off the platform. That what they are doing to fellow libertarians is that they are they are frustrating you off the platform. They are you can appeal it, and they may let your group come back. They may let our group come back if the appeal is up- upheld. But they're going to shut it down again and again more frequently. They're going to tag you with a community guideline strike to the point that you no longer use your Facebook page. So, 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 those guys, the tech guys, and and their staffs, and and more realistically, their algorithms mm-hmm. are the new swamp. <laughs> In a lot of ways, absolutely, they yeah. are. They are just they're just another version of control that you have in this site. But what you well, it's more faceless because it's uh, it's a mathematical equation. I I appealed our does it in the first place. Yeah, I appealed our strike. Exactly. All none of these. Nobody reported any of this stuff. It it was there were multiple groups that apparently got taken down for the same Dahmer meme. But the the appeals were both rejected on the YouTube channel. We've never had a strike. We've never had a community guideline strike. We. We are not an offensive brand. We are not we are we are trying to model good behavior. We are like the David French of the libertarian movement. Like we are not out there talking about, yeah. you know, AIDS is attached to the coronavirus and it's all a hoax. Don't wear your face diaper stuff. You know what I mean? Like so I think it's 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 shaken a lot of the other libertarian podcasters who are more edgy where they're like, "Wow, if they're trying to do the right thing and do all this the right way, then what hope do we have?" You know, and I just think that's the that's the problem with censorship. You well, just you know, tell everybody else. Maybe it's time for no- you to write a piece for the New York Times uh, and or the Washington Post. The Post would be better because Facebook much cares much more about what the Post says. Mm, okay, uh, and uh, you might even do a parallel piece for the Wall Street Journal, and I suspect you could get it cover- covered. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that. It started with the hackers and the sex workers with Seston Fosta. It's and then it went to like the fringier conspiracy people, and now two years later, we're to the libertarians and Republicans, and not even the fringe libertarians and Republicans. People like me who are moderate and centrist libertarians who are just trying to start an independent brand and can't. I mean, my my yeah. ability to really, you know, like my dream is being a talk radio show host, radio crap the bed now so i try to build my own and that's crap the bed and you just go <laughs> all right i'll just go be a history teacher i don't know <laughs> I, I i had the feeling you'll you'll survive i will and, uh, i will i'm and, not being oppressed i'm that, not being you'll beat canceled. that swamp too so that's the thing like i'm not being oppressed and i'm not being canceled it's if you work in media if you were a journalist if you work in the creative arts you know tech it's the same way yeah you yeah. have to innovate you have to be pivotable at, at a moment's notice like I said, the stuff that I was doing in 2004 doesn't doesn't exist and didn't exist, and and you're you always have to innovate. And this is just a setback. I'm not going away. I'm not going anywhere. But it just does it does make it harder, and it and it is frustrating, and it's it's their loss because something else will come along to replace these people. Because if you take me, number 19 million on Facebook, your biggest super fan, built a career off of loving and using your product, and now I hate you. And I tell all the people that listen to me that I hate you, 
<laughs> then then you you are not and now going today you're telling all the people who hate the swamp the same thing they're they're <laughs> these companies can't last with their with their biggest fans turning into their biggest haters they just they won't yeah. it's, it's something else will come along just like podcasting came along due to radio censorship it's going to happen yep. It's a, there are a lot of things happening and it's going to be much more activity in that space. I predict. So, yeah. So I, I suspect we're coming to the end of our time. We're here. at and, the end. Uh, we talked about food at the beginning. Yes. Uh, so, and I can't say that I've had much food in Washington lately. <laughs> uh, although I had a great dinner last night at a restaurant in Richmond called ale wife. Uh, and uh, on uh, up on, uh, on uh, uh, Churchill, which is one of the oldest sections of uh, Richmond. It's a great, great city and a great area. So when you come down, Chris, we'll take you over there. I'd love to. Yeah, we'll have to, me and the, the missus, I have to pack up and come down and visit you now that, now that you're all vaccinated. That's right. Vaxxed. Vaxxed. <laughs> Ready to party. All right, Rob, it was great talking to you. Good. All righty. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to have listening to the Chris Spangle Show, and we'll talk to you soon.